Oh, my God. The comedy gold that has happened over the last two minutes that nobody will ever know about uh, now? Nobody will ever know. Oh, no, my God. Nobody's going to know about it. How it's are we ever going to win? secret. Oh, bullshit. It is not. <laughs> it, it, how are we ever going to win, like, a Gra- I guess a Grammy, right? I Do they give Grammys that. for podcasts? We could Google that. Let me Google that for you. All right, folks, sit tight for the next hour and a half while we Google if we can win a Grammy for this shit. Welcome back to The Watchlist with Patty and Bill. Make sure you click on that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts. And make sure you go back to all of our past episodes on thewatchlistpod.com. Engage with us on social media as I spit into my microphone <laughs> at Pirate Alice, at Bill Ivory Larson, at The Watchlist Pod. And if you just happen to be listening on Apple, please give us a five star review to appease the algorithm gods and push us up in the rankings. We would appreciate it. Do we would. Hey. Hey. What's going on? Not much, really. Ah. <sighs> I actually feel better than I did when I woke up today. That's good. Because I was a grumpy fucker when I woke up today. Oh. I'm actually, believe it or not, I have turned into to Captain Grumples. And and actually, Laura and, and I bought this little grumpy dragon figure. Oh, yes. Yes, one Grumpy of our dragon. episodes was called Drum- Grumpy Dragon because Grumpy of that Dragon. Figure. That's mm-hmm. right. And I and I love Grumpy Dragon because he perfectly represents my mood sometimes. <laughs> and I and I fully admit that that part of it is my fault. You know, drinking a ton of coffee yesterday, not being able to sleep right, and then being awakened by many dogs saying, "Okay, time to go do stuff. Let's go oh do it." Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> but my mood got turned around by what I watched this morning. Oh, what did you watch this morning? Now, first of all, folks, instead of recording on a Friday night, which we usually do, we're recording on a Saturday morning. So just FYI. I watched A Christmas Story Christmas. Oh, is, where is that at? That is actually on HBO Max. On HBO, okay. Right. Now, also on HBO is the original Christmas Story as well as the shitty sequels, you know, A Christmas Story 2, and I think there's another one in there, too, somewhere. Really? I had no idea there was yeah. any kind of a sequel. You know what? I just and knew I this lo- one was coming. That's all I knew. And I love Daniel Stern. All props to Daniel Stern. No shade at all. But quite honestly, if Daniel Stern is in something of a slapsticky comedy, it is not going to be good. Really? Well, yeah. I think the last slapsticky comedy where he was good was Home Alone. But anywho. Um, That's a long time ago. But he's made a career off of it, so he's got millions more dollars than me. So That's true. As I yes. sit and beg for more sponsors. This show today <laughs> is brought to you by nobody because we actually don't have any sponsors yet. <laughs> so please bring them our way. And here's our sponsor's product. Here's our sponsor's product. Patty is holding air. Uh, (laughs) But I watched A Christmas Story Christmas. And I am breaking format in this show because it is fresh in my mind. And I freaking loved it. Oh, 
Oh, cool. It, it There is a line in the movie that says, Christmas isn't perfect. True. And, and, and that speaks to not only how things play out in this movie, but also in the original movie as well. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I like about this movie, and you have to be, and I, and I hate to sound like, like an old man in this, but you will appreciate some of the things in this movie if you are in your late 40s or early 50s. Because this sequel takes place in 1972 or 3. Okay. So Ralphie has grown up. He's got a family of his own. And the whole premise of this movie is um, Dad dies. Oh. And Dad was played by Darren McGavin, who has been long since passed away. So rest in peace, Darren McGavin. But that's how they write it into it. He's about to go visit his parents. Or, or the parents are about to come and visit them and have Christmas. But then he gets a call from his mom saying dad passed away. Mm-hmm. So they end up going back to the Christmas story house. In I think it was officially like Indiana or something. It's officially in Indiana. But the house Indiana. itself that they used for filming is in Cleveland and up for sale again. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And And not only that, they didn't film it in Cleveland. <laughs> they actually they just filmed re- the outside of the house. That's they just filmed they the outside of the house. Well, no, they re they remade the entire oh. house in Bulgaria. Wow! This movie was made in Bulgaria. I, I shit no you idea. not. Huh. I shit you not. And and you would huh. never know it. It's so amazing. So why did they pick that Cleveland house? Which, by I the way, no people idea. is not in a particularly good neighborhood, from what I hear. Um, it's a tourist attraction, though. Well, but the neighborhood itself. Sam lived in Cleveland for a while and says that's not a particularly good neighborhood. Eh, I do not know. I have I've no... I've never been there, so I don't know. Yeah, but that's what she... I, that's I what have I'm no told. idea. That's we, were with a, we were with a group one time going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I highly recommend going to. And they, I think, drove by the Christmas Story house, so they drove mm-hmm. by it and said, oh, isn't that cool? Um, but I have no idea. Anyway. But to be of a certain age, especially growing up in the 70s, it made me feel good that they made a Christmas movie where kids play with knives. Yep. They get revenge on bullies that isn't, like, safe revenge. <laughs> yep. um, let's see. What else happens in this movie? Um, it, it, it just it evokes a time... When everything wasn't so safe and PC and and all of that, like the time we were growing up in, right? Yeah, you could go yeah. play. You could go play in the street, and yeah. it wasn't necessarily the safest thing to do. You oh, know, you knew when be, to get out of the way. Yeah. You knew when to get out of the way, and you always investigated places where you really shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. And and it's you were gone nice that, for hours, and your parents had no idea where you were. That's right. But then when the lights started going, like when the when daylight started going away, that's when you knew, all right, I should get home yeah, now. Yeah, it's time to go home. Yeah. Because you lost light, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Some of my friends had curfews. And one time my friend's mom was like, so when do you have to be home? I'm like, I don't know, whenever. And yeah. she's like, I don't believe your mother is like that. Call her now. And mom's like, whenever. And I'm like, see, mom said whenever. My mom yeah. never gave me a curfew because she figured I'd come home when everybody else went home. Yeah, mine too. And that's exactly how it was. 
<laughs> and if I was later than I should have been, I just gave her a call to let her know I was okay. I found, hold on for it, a pay phone. Oh. And, and called her and said, Mom, I'm okay. I'm just out with so-and-so. I'll be home in like an hour. And she was like, okay, thanks for calling. I, the only time she ever worried was when I didn't call. I was never out that late to need to call. And I probably never had enough money to even use a pay phone. Oh, but wait. <laughs> Let's but, just put it that way. <laughs> but late was like 9 o'clock. Which, yeah, you know, know, in the freewheeling 70s for a kid who's... You know, like six or seven. That's you know, like no, that's prime late. kidnapping territory. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty late, especially <laughs> you lived late. in the city. I was in the burbs, you know. Oh yeah, I lived. I lived in the city. That, there's nothing to do past like six p.m. No. in the burbs. There's absolutely nothing to do, especially for a kid. Yeah. If you don't have quarters oh. to go to an arcade, you're out on the street somewhere. And even then, like up until God, when was it? Like. Junior high-ish, I want to say. There were no arcades, I don't think. Well, yeah, Well, no. there was nothing in Lansing. Let's just put it that way. The arcade didn't show up until about, uh, yeah, I think around junior high is when the arcade in Lansing opened. And I don't think it was open for that long. We had an arcade in Hyde Park that I frequented throughout my, my grammar school career. And then obviously when you get to high school... You know, you leave childish things behind mm. and then take up the high school drama of, of all of that shit. The reason I bring this up is because A Christmas Story Christmas brings back to me the nostalgia of being a kid in the 70s. So Ralphie is all grown up and he's got his own family. And dealing with the loss of his father their grandfather he's trying to give them christmas because he dies a week before christmas oh man and it it is really touching oh. and part of why it's so touching is because you know if you have listened to this show at all you know a christmas story is my favorite christmas movie i thought it was die uh, hard. it is actually die hard okay well Die Hard is the action movie. This is the sentimental favorite. Okay, there um, you go. But every year I watch Christmas Story at least 103 times. And it's actually already aired, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, and I watched it. But because you're so, um, you know, you're so familiar with these characters, when the character of the father dies officially in the movie you're like oh man even though you know the actor is is passed on it really does hit you because it, you see it through the eyes of ralphie and it's really powerful i think there are some cheesy throwbacks to the original movie um just to give you a hey we remember what this looked like kind yeah, of thing yeah. but none of it was perfect you meet up with the same friends that he had when he was a kid, and one of them runs the local dive bar. Oh, cute. Nice. And, and you know, and I don't want to give away what happens to every single character, because if you love a Christmas story, watch this. Because it'll show you what happens to these characters, but in a very realistic way. 
to the story of a Christmas story, if that makes any sense. Yeah, nice, okay. And and like I said, it was cool when 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 Peter Billingsley's kid gets a sword for Christmas. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a real sword. And nobody Like a real metal sword? I. A real metal nice. sword with oh a sharp God, tip on the end. Oh my god. And I loved it. Because that's what growing up in the 70s was fucking like. You know, you got toys that were dangerous. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is... Jarts? (laughs) Yeah, jarts. I think that's what it is. It's the lawn darts that will pierce your head or something. It's Oh, those were... Oh, yeah. They were actually huge darts. Yeah, like javelin darts. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Or you could actually buy shit like BB guns and and shit like that. My brother had a gun that shot these plastic discs that hurt like fuck when you got hit. Yeah. And we were finding those discs everywhere for years, even after the gun was gone. My mom actually bought me a BB gun once. Nice. I feel like my mom took that gun because she was tired of us screaming about it and smashed it in half on the table. I feel like I have that memory. I'll have to ask my brother if that's really what what happened to the gun. Was mom's like, fuck this gun, you know? Not that she, mom never said fuck, but you know, fuck. Yeah. She said shit. Get rid of this shit. That's probably what she said. <laughs> but anyway, so you were talking. Your mom got you a BB but, gun. But I, I got a BB gun, and and the only reason I I ended up not playing with it is because I overloaded it and oh. I broke it. <laughs> and I broke it. Oopsie. Um. But but unsafe toys like that yeah. are one of the subtle joys of this movie. And there's also a scene where a kid gets behind the bar. Oh yeah, and, oh, God, and yeah. learns how to make drinks. Oh yeah, oh and, yeah. And that is that. when I was fully on board with this movie. Mm-hmm. Because way back when, people, and I don't mean to sound like an old fuck, but. Yes, there was a time when a kid could walk into a bar I am one of and if they kids. had a note, could get booze oh. for their parent. I and, never got booze, but I my cousin and I would walk around the corner to the to the pub, the bar, the old man bar in the neighborhood mm-hmm. in Canaryville, and we'd climb up on the bar stool cuz he sold chips. And we'd buy a bag of chips. You know, they, all the old guys would be looking at us like, fucking kids, get out of here. And yeah. then we'd leave. They would yeah. sell us stuff in the bar. Not alcohol, right. but they sold us chips and we'd walk back. You know, like, like this is an everyday thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was the only kid allowed in what was the old Cafe Enrico in Hyde Park. Hmm. And they had one singular stand-up mini Pac-Man machine in the back. Oh. And the owner said... To my mom and me, he is the only child allowed in here unattended because I know he will behave himself. Wow. And my mom used to, and my mom and I, rest her soul, I love you, mom, I miss you. Um, We used to go in there every Friday night for fish and chips because it was all you could eat fish. Mm. And so I would play the video game. But any day after school, he said I was allowed in there. None of my friends, just me. Nice. And I always respected that. But a Christmas story Christmas is very nostalgic to our generation. Mm -hmm. It plays for future gen or younger generations like a typical schmaltzy Christmas movie, which sometimes won't be that bad. Yeah. 
you know, it's it's better than all the Hallmark movie trite that oh, you God. see. It's the oh God, yeah. You know, where everything is all it's perfect and bougie and, yeah. and, and all that stuff. And, yeah, the, and there's the, a place the, for all of that. Yeah. But oh, but this movie is summed up by Christmas isn't perfect. And in that imperfection comes happiness. And it's and it's just it's a good message to have. And it is a very worthy sequel. A Christmas Story Christmas now on HBO Plus. It just dropped HBO this Max. weekend. HBO Max, rather. Um, it just, I, everything's got a fucking plus. To I it. know, right? It, <laughs> it, it dropped on HBO Max this weekend. Check it out. But by far, the superior movie is the original Christmas story. Oh, obviously. By OBS. Mm-hmm. So Dwight has been watching, rewatching Under the Dome on Paramount Plus. Oh my God! Yeah, so I've been rewatching that along with him and vaguely remembering certain things here and there. For those who don't know, Under the Dome, uh, it's based on a Stephen King novel where this invisible dome—it's very real—falls down around this small town called Chester's Mill. Uh, we see it slice a cow in half, so you could see all its innards. It was that was a really cool shot, by the way. Yeah, and. Nobody knows why this is happening. If they touch it, they get some kind of electric shock or something. And families are split because some family members were in the next town over when this dome hit. The government tries to blow it up with a bomb, but that doesn't work. Uh, The show lasted for three whole seasons. I did not last for three whole seasons the first time around. Because... After a while, I'm like, well, what the fuck is going on with this goddamn thing? It became like Lost, where you never got answers, and I was like, fuck this shit. I have no idea if you get answers at the end of season three, so I can't help you there. Um, but it's been kind of fun rewatching it, this yeah annoying show that just keeps going in circles, never really gives you answers. And just weird shit becomes more and more weird. Yeah, and see that is my art. Oh, and you know what else was on this week? What else? On, was on? I think on this on the Sci-Fi Channel season one of Heroes. Really? Wow. Season and one that was, was good, an, but the rest of it was kind of like uh, the rest of it was crap. Now season yeah. two suffered because that was the season of a writer's strike. Okay, that explains a lot. And so there was supposed to be this way deeper storyline about the destruction of the world through a huge virus, ironically enough. Mm-hmm. And and but it had to get resolved in a very cheesy way because there were no writers. Yeah, the writers were not writing. <sighs> so but season one was an excellent season of it television. Was really good. Yeah. So under the dome season one exactly the same. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's on cool. Paramount Plus for those who want to see it. But if it is again a perfect argument for a one and done. Yes. Season of something. Yes, and I feel like because it's based on a Stephen King novel, you may which I have not read by the way, you may not get the book may not have had any kind of resolution of why this is here or what happened. I have no idea. Yeah, I, and that sucks. 
Well, because sometimes you get that's all the whole invested. point of the story, though. It's like you're never like the Twilight Zone. You never really know why this shit happened to people. Just that right. suddenly she woke up and everybody's got a pig nose, but hers is perfect, and it's weird. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, so the next thing that I have is actually something I think you watched already, um, Interview oh, yeah? with the Vampire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I have not seen the final episode. There might be a few episodes before the final I haven't seen. I haven't gone back to it because I'm watching a ton of other shit. I liked it. I I like it too. I didn't. Yeah, I thought it was good. It's weird though that because all right. So here here's a thing, people. Take a trip in the wayback machine. Like, uh, oh my God, when did the movie come out? It was like nineteen ninety six or nineteen ninety seven. I mean, so damn near thirty years ago, the movie with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt came out. And like Patty said, I'm sure before. The whole premise of this TV show is a sequel, but it tells the same story. Yeah, yeah. Because you see Eric Bogosian, who is the grown-up reporter, he's dying, and he finally gets an in- he gets an invitation from Louis to revisit the story that Louis never got to fully tell because everything went belly up at the end of Interview with the Vampire, the movie. So he wants a chance to retell the story completely. Mm -hmm. But that's where it kind of goes askew because it's not quite the same story because they've obviously changed the race of Louis. Mm Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take place in the 1800s or is it the 1700s anymore? It now takes place in 1910. Mm-hmm. And but it's interesting as shit. And the male lead in that is oh, is he's amazing. He's great. I yeah. And he's, the guy he's who, fucking great. Yeah, both of them, Louis and uh, Lestat, both are really great. Yeah, they're actually really really good. Uh, um, I would recommend it. I would too. But I would also recommend, and here's where I'm going to get weird, read the book. Oh, totally, totally. Or even, um, I remember my mom had the audiobook, and that's when I first was hearing it. And then later when I'm reading the book, I'm like, why is this so familiar? Because mm. I heard the story through the audiobook, didn't know the name of it at the time. But right. yeah. Well, and I and I think they're doing... You know, I think AMC is trying to do this whole universe thing, kind of like the CW does DC universe shit. Because next year, Alexandra D'Addario is going to be in the Mayfair Witches. Yes, that's what I said when I reviewed Interview with Vanity. Right. You're right. <laughs> and I understand. I know. <laughs> um, but I, but I think. What messes with me with Interview with the Vampire is that there have been other, there was this other iteration with Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Antonio Banderas, and all that stuff. And this kind of takes that and turns it on its ear just a little bit. It takes the whole novel and turns it on its ear. Yes. 
But it's the same story. Well, it is, but it's different. It's just a different perspective on the same story, which I I like a different perspective. You know, taking this thing that you're familiar with and just making it different enough, yet still really interesting. Yeah. The shot of Eric Bogosian saying, so where's your coffin? You're standing in it. <laughs> and it, and yeah. it's this dude's apartment in Dubai. Yeah. And and it's Louis of uh, it's Louis's home in Dubai where he has where he has shaded the windows so much that he can actually look out at the sun at the sunrise. Yeah. Now it's it's vastly darkened. Mm-hmm. But but oh you my get god, the that idea was badass. Of us, oh my so. god, I want that fucking house. I want that apartment <laughs> so bad. It's so cool. But anyway, that's that's my review of Interview with the Vampire. I agree with you. It's 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 okay. Yeah. Um. But again, it, it read the book. Oh, totally. Yeah. The next thing that I watched is a documentary on Netflix. It's called Pepsi. Where's my jet? So the year is 1995. Oh. Pepsi has been losing the cola wars. They're pulling out all the stops, advertising with all kinds of young, famous people. You know, Cindy Crawford did an ad, Michael Jackson, Britney Spears, all that. And they're claiming that Gen X is the Pepsi generation. They come up with this new promotion, the Pepsi Points promotion. Where okay. in the ad, you got this cool kid in high school. He gets up, he puts on his Pepsi shirt, and it's got little numbers going, like, shirt, I don't know, 100 points. And he gets you know, his sunglasses, 50 points. And then he puts on a leather jacket. It says leather jacket, 1,400 points. And uh. then next thing we see, he's in, this Harrier jet is landing in front of his, his high school, and it says Harrier jet, 7 million points. <laughs> And there's this 20-something Seattle Uh, College student named John Leonard. He sees the ad, and he notes there's no fine print under that 7 million points for your Harrier jet. There's, And he watched it repeatedly, that commercial. There's no fine print saying, yeah, not really. Hmm. Yeah. And so the journey begins of him trying to collect 7 million points. Pepsi points to get this Harrier jet. Okay. And you know, he finds out that a Harrier jet is about $32 million. And he finds out the cost of buying enough Pepsi to get you uh, 7 million points. And how many cases of Pepsi that would be. And he's got, he's into this kid's into mountain climbing and he's a mountain climbing guide. And he met this rich eccentric millionaire kind of guy named Todd Hoffman, who they've befriended. They've become friends. And uh, Todd's like, this is a crazy idea, but okay, bring me a business plan, and maybe I'll invest in your attempt to get this Harrier jet. Because he watched the commercial, too, and was like, yeah, there's no fine print. There's no disclaimer terms and conditions about this 7 million point jet. He's like, we might have a, this could be false advertising. We might have a case to get a jet. Right. John Leonard puts together his his business plan to Todd, and Todd throws all the questions out. Okay, can a civilian legally own a Harrier jet? And that was question number one. And then he had a few other questions. Well, 
John goes back, does his research, somehow manages to get some somebody at the Pentagon on the phone and asks, could a civilian buy a Harrier jet? And the guy's like, well, you have to buy six at a time. So you couldn't buy just one. And a civilian... We couldn't put any of the military stuff, no no bombs or anything on it. So you'd get like a scaled down jet with no weaponry. Mm-hmm. So technically, yes, a civilian, if he had enough money to buy six Harrier jets, could own a Harrier jet. You could buy one from the government, apparently. So he's like, okay, that's one down. And he answers the other questions. And then the guy's like, okay, so we do all this. We get like 6,999,000 points and we've missed the deadline. Oh. What now? He's like, no, he was just like, what now? What would we do then? Right. Say that happens. And so the kid's like, ah. So the whole idea kind of falls apart until he finds that catalog Pepsi put out of all the things you could get with the points. In the fine print on the back of the catalog, it says if you submit. 15 points, you can buy the remaining points you need to get what you want for 10 cents a piece. So now this whole thing, you can buy your Harrier jet roughly for $700,000 plus shipping and handling. (laughs) I'm sorry, I snorted. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Plus shipping and handling. Well, I'm just saying, because that was that 700,000 doesn't include your shipping and handling, which there's always shipping and handling, right? So Todd's like, all right, let's do this. He gives the kid a check for $700,000. They fill out the order form. Of course, there's no line to check Harrier Jet. So they made a little box and wrote it in Harrier Jet. (laughs) They send it in to Pepsi and there's no response for a good long time. But then, of course, Pepsi sends them a letter back with the check in the envelope saying, yeah, sorry, kid, you can't buy the jet. That's not really part of the promotion. Here's some coupons for free Pepsi. And then the saga begins where right, because lawyers that's get not the deal, right? And Pepsi apparently tried to sue John Leonard for this shit and... That they went, they got to it first, the lo- filing a lawsuit. So John, and that was in New York court, where New York court is all corporate leaning. They're gonna side with corporations, obviously. So the kid gets a lawyer. He countersues, and there's a saga going on. They they tried to make an offer, but the kid's like, I, I kind of want to see if we could get the jet. I want to go for the jet. I don't want their like settlement offer. So they turned down whatever the settlement was. They say it was like a million dollars, but I can't see Pepsi giving a kid who's trying to ask for a jet a million dollars. Like, what's the kid going to, how far can he get with hurting Pepsi by saying they won't give me my jet to where Pepsi would give him a million bucks? That I feel is a little stretch. But apparently Michael Avenatti gets involved in this whole saga too. That guy who was uh, helping... uh, with a Trump lawsuit, like he was going against him, some girl or something, and now he's uh, convicted for fraud and other stuff unrelated to this Pepsi thing. 
Uh, there's a lot of footage of Hoffman and Leonard climbing a mountain in like the Arctic or Antarctic or some shit. I it felt like filler and didn't was unnecessary. But the story is very interesting, and I do not remember this at all. Anything about yeah. this? I remember the commercial when they showed it, and they talked to the creative agency and other people at Pepsi, and they do a little Pepsi challenge throughout. You know, where they bring people two cups and like, okay, which one do you like better? Coke or Pepsi? And they talked to Cindy Crawford because she was, you know, she on the commercials the Pepsi and person. stuff. Yeah, she was the Pepsi girl. Yeah. And it, it's, I'll, you know, it's a David and Goliath story, but the world is skewed towards Goliath. It, it's, it was entertaining. It, it's, okay. that's, you know, it's entertaining, kind of a fluff documentary and... Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, apparently this whole ca- lawsuit thing became like case law, like it's in textbooks if you're in law school. Well, I would imagine it it would be because if a big ass corporation said you can have a Harrier jet for a certain number of points, if you legally collect the number of points, they're supposed to give you the prize. Yeah, if there's no di- and the commercial got slowly updated after this started. First, it was 7 million points. Then they updated the commercial to be 700 million points. And then they updated it again to put just kidding in parentheses underneath it. Because somebody fucked up. So, again, ladies yes, and gentlemen. Also, every, yeah, every disclaimer you read came from somebody doing something. Like, well, caution, contents in- of this cup are hot. Yeah, well, if you read up on that, that that woman had a valid case. When you learn the truth behind it, there's a valid case. And I'm sure, but yeah, as an example, but um, Michael Avenatti, he's like, well, he he's doing research to find out other things Pepsi has done, and he found in Canada they ran ran that same spot, except it had the disclaimer in it. Oh, and that was before the American spot. So their argument was Pepsi wanted the young kids that they were advertising to, because this is all, the whole ad is a kid in high school. They, he, they wanted kids to think they could get that jet to where they would buy more Pepsi to try and get enough points to get the jet. Because kids yeah. aren't as, yeah, kids are just thinking, hey, it says right there, 7 yeah. million points. And I don't know how long no it would child. take me to buy fucking right. points, but right. yeah. And and no kid is going to drink that much fucking Pepsi. No person could drink that much Pepsi in the amount of time it would take to like during the promotion. Nobody yeah. could. They they told you on the screen how long it would take you to drink that much Pepsi. I didn't make a note of it because I was like, yeah, Pepsi's disgusting, and I will never buy any. So it used sad. to be my drink growing up. Me and my mom. I never liked Pepsi, ever. Oh, yeah. Actually, there was a time when I didn't like Coke. Oh. And now, now I'm complete... Sorry, Mom. Sorry. <laughs> um, but now I'm, I'm a complete Coke drinker. And, and oh. that whole te- Pepsi taste test bullshit is bullshit. You could taste the difference between Pepsi and Coke. If you know the difference, if, yeah, if you're... No, I could not do, like, like... Regular Pepsi versus regular Coke, because I only drink Diet Coke and the flavor is totally different. 
I would taste both of those saying, those are both disgusting. Get them away from me. Wow. Because it, the, t- I, the flavor is totally different. I, as soon as I drink it, I'm like, I know that's not my Diet Coke. What is this shit? Get this away from me. But if you did but- Diet Pepsi versus Diet Coke, that, that would be a more valid kind of taste test. But I'd still taste it- the difference. But right, there is a taste difference. The only taste test that I would ever have have said, and this is the last we will speak of nostalgia today, sort of. Yes, maybe. Um, maybe <laughs> is if they did new Coke next to Pepsi. Oh. Because when they changed new to new Coke, it tasted exactly like Pepsi. Which is why everybody hated it. And that's it. when I drank new Coke. So if you put those two together, I would have been hard-pressed to say which was Coke and which was Pepsi. Mm. But you could definitively taste the difference. Yeah. Also, during this, uh, Michael Avenatti, in his research, he found another Pepsi promotion that totally shit the bed that happened in the Philippines. And that caused so much chaos. And so you do learn some interesting stuff about promotions and through the ad people, like how they came up with it and and that kind of thing. And and you and said this is a movie or a series? It's a documentary, which I want to say it might it it has I think four episodes. Okay, all right. I think that's were, a lot to cram into a movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There were episodes, and I want to say there were four total. But I watched it right, I'm like, after the first, I'm like, I got to know what's going on here. I've never heard of this whole thing. I need to see. All right. And that's on Netflix, you say? That is Netflix. Pepsi, where's my jet? Well, the last thing that I have is season five of The Crown. Oh, I have, I've only seen the first season. Anybody who has followed The Crown knows that it is an exceptionally well-put-together show. And well-cast, I hear, too. And extremely well-cast. The only thing that is jarring about this is that we waited a long time due to COVID Mm -hmm. um, for season five. And Imelda Staunton is now Queen Elizabeth. And Jonathan Price is... um, her husband. Uh, what's the his prince name? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lord Mountbatten. <laughs> or, yeah. Okay, there you um, go. Prince. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that's horrible. What the fuck is his name? Um, there was Queen Elizabeth and... Oh, shit. Now I'm going to look it up. Yeah, Prince Philip. Thank you. There we go. It took me a while. But the casting, and I don't know their names off the top of my head. Whoever they got to play Diana now... Is amazing. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Wow. Not only does this actress look like her, but but really kind of gives you that feeling of yeah. It it makes you feel it a little bit more because we all all right. Fuck the thing that I said like two seconds ago about not being nostalgic again. I knew it. If you remember Princess Diana's. Um, rise in the public eye particularly after divorcing charles you know just how cool it was to see her do something and and just the causes that she fought for and hugging an aids patient Mm, those things haven't happened yet in the show but but 
seeing this actress evokes that. And and so the jarring thing of Imelda Staunton now playing Elizabeth is kind of like, okay, there's this Queen Elizabeth, but now I've shifted kind of my focus to see Prince Charles and, and Diana Spencer. I loved Claire Foy, actually, as... Um, I liked her, too. I thought she was good. I I thought she was the best because that was the most interesting part to me was mm-hmm. when she had first taken the throne. Yeah. I loved that. And then seeing it throughout the years, it, it's just, it's very interesting. And and this show makes me wonder, and, I, and, I, and I'm not necessarily throwing shade toward the royals, so please, I, I know the royals listen to this show. So. Yeah. Because everybody famous in the world <laughs> listens to the show, whether they want they to admit it or not, in the darkest parts of their soul, they know they listen to the watch list with Patty and Bill. <laughs> <laughs> we may have 32 subscribers, but our actual <laughs> unique listenership is 12 million. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. No. Like Pepsi. Yes. Just kidding. Uh <laughs> You could buy this show for seven million points. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to throw shade, but the more you think about this show and the more you watch this show, the more you kind of understand the detachment of the royals from, we'll say, reality. Hmm. However, on the other side of that, because they have a monarchy, and they are all royals, you could understand why they are loved so much because of the stability through whatever is going on in the country, politically, economically, whatever, the royals are constant. So they are your north. You know, you look to them for strength. You look to them for just words of encouragement. You, so I get that. And, and the crown is actually very good at showing that part of it while showing the warts of, of, the, of the royal family. So, and, and in this show, also in season five, you see very young William and Harry. Ah, yes. Okay. And, and, it's, and it's just really, 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 um, what, what do I want to say, deep because... You know what happens to them. Yeah. You know, you've, you've seen them grow up and get married and have kids of their own. And, and, but in all of that, through both of them, you see the influence of Diana. Mm-hmm. So season five, The Crown, check it out. It's on Netflix. But definitely, if you're going to watch it, go back to the beginning and watch the whole thing, which you are lucky enough now that you don't have to wait Oh yeah. Um, you can just watch the whole fucking thing, which is which is fan fucking tastic, and it'll teach you a lot about some really tragic British history too, mm-hmm. like excruciatingly tragic British history, which you should which you should know in terms of like world history. But anyway, um, uh, uh John Oliver this past Sunday, um, his show was about the monarchy. And it was oh, really? very interesting to watch. You should check that one out. The Sunday the 13th of November episode of John Oliver, um, last week tonight. You should watch it. It's about the monarchy. Very interesting point of view. 
Wow. And okay. other information. Anyway. And my last thing now is on Amazon Prime. What? I know. It's called The Peripheral. It, you watched that. I watched The Peripheral. It uh, stars Chloe Grace Moretz as Flynn Fisher. It is based on a William Gibson book of the same name. William Gibson is well known for writing um, sci-fi, weird, techno kind of sci-fi stuff. And this is set initially in the year 2032 in rural America. And it centers around Flynn Fisher. She's an accomplished like sim gamer. They have this thing, you put this thing on your head and you're in this simulated reality kind of stuff. And her brother is a war veteran and their mom is really unwell. And he has been contacted by this mysterious company to trial this new sim game for to be paid to trial this new sim game. And Flynn kind of takes her brother's place for a little bit and she realizes that this simulation isn't it's more than a game. It's very realistic. Mm-hmm. And then we find out she's been transported through this sim thing to the year 2099 in London. Dum, dum, dum. And after doing this mission through the game, before she realizes all that, that she's in the real future and this is like real, um, the people in the future are are after her and somehow they're managing they're they're getting other people to try and kill her and and it's all crazy and shit. And right, don't give as me I'm, any details because I yeah, want to watch. That's this. that's about it. As I was watching that first episode, I was really lost as to what the fuck is happening here, and so mm-hmm. I had to Google it and read a little more of the plot that that the show is based on to be like, okay, that's what's happening. Because when it opens, you see like pirate warships blowing each other up and i'm like i thought this was like a future thing what is this what is this and then i realized they're the guy in london is watching this weird little thing on the the river and it's like a model thing like little models of a battle and i was like oh but I was really confused in the opening of the whole thing. Got it. Okay. To make sure, am I watching this show? What am I looking at? Yeah. So you liked it? I do. I, I kept, after I read a little bit about what I'm looking at, I'm like, okay, now I'm I'm with you. Now I'm following and I'm totally into it. Okay. And now I've caught up with the episodes and they're releasing them once a week on Fridays. So I think there's only four episodes so far. Okay. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I'm caught hey. up now. Now I got to wait. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, but all right. Here's nostalgic thing number 12 for today. <laughs> that is no different than us watching a weekly TV series back when oh, we were growing up. I know. I know. It's just I'm so used to I know now being able to just Binging watch it. everything. And with all the different places to watch stuff, I forget to go back, kind of like Interview with a Vampire. Oh, my God. Just forgetting to go back to shit. We've watched shit on this show that, you know, I forget is out there. Yeah. But it's out there. Mm -hmm. So is that the last thing you have? That is the last thing I have. Ladies and gentlemen, 
we both watched only American TV on this show. Is that true? Um, I don't know if The Peripheral is officially an American show. I'm going to look it up. Because there's actors that are from Britain, and it does t- have this whole London side. Like, there's yeah. a lot of British actors in this. Well, and The Crown is probably produced elsewhere as well, so that's fine. Yeah. But awesome. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. So Netflix, um, Prime, HBO Max. Yeah, huh. if you've got all the those. The Peripheral is an American science fiction show. There you go. So there you go. It is officially an American show. Sweet. Yeah. Um. So I was poking around on Hulu looking for something because I thought I missed an episode of The Handmaid's Tale, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that Hulu has Vicky content. Like there's like a Vicky channel you could favorite to see all the stuff from there. And Vicky's the place that I watch a lot of my Korean stuff. Mm-hmm. And they have the series that I have reviewed called Mr. Queen that is fucking hysterical. And I highly recommend it. So if you have Hulu, check out Mr. Queen. Unfortunately, it is only subtitled. They don't have a dubbed version. But it's fucking funny. And you should watch it. Okay. <laughs> I just want to point, point that out. And the other thing I noticed um, <laughs> on Hulu is they like when you go to channels, they don't uh, show really all the channels that you could favorite for content. Yeah, yeah. And I can't find a list of them all if I Google it. So uh, that was kind of annoying to me because if you go through the channel's screen on Hulu, you won't see that the Vicky um, channel is available unless you like go to search and just randomly type some letters in. I, that was uh, I, that was kind of weird to me. You almost didn't mention anything Korean in this show. Almost, yeah. Almost. <laughs> almost. You know I had it there. You know I had it in my back pocket. Oh, I know, but we were so close. So close. <laughs> like this. I got my fingers almost touching it. Like, I squeezed your little head. And nope. I, don't th- I honestly don't think I have anything... Um, and if there is, well, there's the whole Taylor Swift debacle with Ticketmaster. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Go online to thewatchlistpod.com, click on that Contact Us button, or engage with us on social media at Symbol Pirate Alice, at Symbol The Watchlist Pod, at Symbol Bill Ivory Larson. Did you fucking try to get Taylor Swift tickets? No. That I want to know, because I remember... <laughs> doing it for for two concerts. I remember signing up to be a verified fan so I could go get Adele tickets, and then I actually did get Pearl Jam tickets. Pearl Jam! But I honestly have to say that I think this is going to change, but I think this is going to change the business because it is such a big artist, because it did crash the system... I honestly think that it that you're going to see some changes because of it. But thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Yes, we do. We really appreciate it. Well, that's a really weird ending, isn't it? Well, we've had better endings before, and hey, go back and remember those. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway. They- <laughs> 
Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. And um, we will catch you next time. So thanks. Okay, okay bye. bye.